0: Hey, welcome to episode number two on the My Story Podcast. It's a bonus episode for our premiere day, and it's a special one, but more on that coming up. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell us their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. My name is Conrad Weaver, and I'm your host for the show. I'm a filmmaker, entrepreneur, storyteller, and sometimes I want to be sailor and I'm so happy that you've stopped by to listen to the show. But first, a brief word about our sponsor for today's episode. Kanjo Studios is an award-winning video production company whose focus is helping you tell your story. They love telling stories that matter. If you have a corporate message or even a documentary you want to produce, Kanjo Studios has the experience and knowledge to get the job done on time and within your budget. Visit studios.com, click on the blue Get A Quote button, and let them know what you need. Then watch your stress melt away as their team does the magic of producing your next video or film project. That's Kanjo Studios, telling stories that matter. So I'm very excited about the interview you are about to hear. Cal Thomas is one of the most widely syndicated political columnists in America, Cal is a wide-ranging social commentator, not a beltway insider, who supports traditional conservative values and the American can-do spirit. He'll take on virtually any topic from the decline of the family to growing terrorism worldwide. His columns appear in hundreds of newspapers, and he's a regular guest on Fox News and other media outlets. His latest book is What Works, Common Sense Solutions for a Stronger America. I had the privilege of speaking with Cal on the phone from his home in Southern Florida. I think you'll appreciate his common sense take on the current state of politics and the current state of the media landscape. I think you'll enjoy our conversation. So here's my interview with Cal Thomas. I just wanted to say thank you, first of all, for just talking to me. I've been, you know, following you for a very long time. I was a listener of your program back when you were on Moody Radio. Oh my! Yeah, that does so go back away. <laughs> yeah, I think they dumped me because I was too controversial or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I was actually I met you first at you came to speak at Cedarville College way back in the oh, day. Oh, I remember that. And the president was uh, came out in white socks on a.
1: And a blue suit
0: or something like that. Yeah, Paul Dixon that was, was the president at the time. Yeah, and he's a neat guy. Yeah, so uh, you came to speak there. And then you and I met at uh, the Emmett event a couple of years ago, uh, the Endowment for Middle East Truth. You were yeah. you, you were receiving an award there. And, uh, oh, my. Well, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I don't get many awards. So <laughs> my, my shelf has uh, got a lot of space on it. I'm reading your book right now called What Works and in your book you mentioned that you started your journey in journalism when you were 16 what motivated you to go down that path Jockey from uh, the local radio station in Rockville,
1: Maryland, came to our teen club, of which I was president, and made an announcement in between records saying uh, he was going to have a little seminar for people interested in talking on the radio. And I said, "Well, that sounded interesting," and so I went. and uh, They offered me a little slot on Saturday morning uh, with some other uh, high school representatives in the local area, giving news of what is going on during the. Uh, during the week in our respective high schools, the general manager of the radio station uh, heard this and said, "Uh, hey, kid, uh, how'd you like to have a show of your own? And he gave me a slot in the afternoon on Saturday, and then he gave me another one on Sunday, and I was off and running. Uh, That wasn't really journalism. That was just uh, disc jockey work, playing uh, the uh, popular hits of the time and reading what we call rip and read news off the wires. But Mm -hmm. I got the journalism bug uh, completely when I... Became a copy boy at NBC in Washington
0: and met the uh, greatest journalists I've ever known in my life. Wow. So, and you, in your book, you mentioned that you had a couple of you know, kind of big failures early on. You've failed out of college, and then people back in DC wouldn't hire you, and you had to move other places. How did failure really lead you to who you are today?
1: Well, it helped me uh, understand uh, motivation and persistence. Uh, There's a quote attributed to our 30th president, Calvin Coolidge, about persistence. He didn't really say it, but it's attributed to him, uh, that nothing succeeds like persistence. The world is full of educated derelicts. Talent will not. Uh, Unrequited talent is almost a proverb. Only the slogan, Press On!, works and anybody in this business who hasn't been fired not hired discriminated against uh, because of age either too old too young male or female or whatever it is hasn't really lived the real successful people in journalism and basically any other uh, part of life are those who persist in the midst of adversity or or failure i've learned more from failure than i've ever learned from success
0: wow do you think parents today are too protective of their kids
1: well, I would want to make a generalization, but I, I would say more than protective, they're too indulgent. When you look at uh, Generation Z and see the attraction of socialism from people who've never had to live under it, uh, you you see that these are kids who are largely being educated, if you can call it that, in uh, in public schools and at universities who are being taught by professors who believe this stuff, but don't practice it themselves. Uh, I'm very worried about the future of the country. I, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan used to say we're only one generation away from losing it all. America's principles and ideals have to be renewed within every generation. And in our age, they have to be renewed within one generation. Uh, it's the most amazing thing. You know, Margaret Thatcher famously said the only problem with socialism is that you soon run out of other people's money. I think that's probably the best line I've ever heard on it
0: where did we lose our common sense in our country well i think we don't have a sense of history anymore it's not about nostalgia and going
1: back to live in the past it's about learning from the past as i argue in my book uh, as the book of ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun everything you think has been thought before everything you do has been done before so why do you think that you need to uh invent the wheel and uh do the equivalent of discovering the use of fire as the cavemen did um we we've tested all these ideas in the past. Economic ideas have shown that lower taxes and less regulation uh, will prompt uh, more business investment, which means the hiring of more people, which means more tax revenue for the government. Now the government needs more money, like Dracula needs more blood. I mean. <laughs> They're, they're getting more of our money than ever before. Last year saw record amounts of uh, money flowing into the federal treasury, mostly because of the tax cuts. The problem is spending. The government has never been able to control itself under either majority party. And if they would reduce the spending and reform entitlements, then we would have balanced budgets and even a surplus again. But politicians don't want to say no to anybody because they fear they might lose their
0: votes and getting reelected is their top priority. So you've been in journalism for a long time. You've seen a lot of changes in politics. So how do you how do these changes affect wh- what and how you write?
1: Well, first, the twenty four seven news cycle has, uh, while well, it has its benefits and and uh, being able to bring people information faster than ever you don't have to work, uh, wait for the 6:30 news on the broadcast networks as most people did when I started out in the business. you can get uh, it online or you can get it on your favorite cable news station any time of the day or night. So that's one thing. the other the downside of that is that most of these uh, networks now, have only the extremes from both sides, and they're yelling at each other, and nothing ever gets accomplished. This is the whole point of my book, What Works? Uh, We can transcend all of this left, right, Republican, Democrat business if we focus on the past and see which ideas worked, and we keep them, and which did not, and we get rid of them. Uh, as far as my writing is concerned, I try to transcend all of this uh, you know negativity and back and forth and uh, and focus on ideas that have a track record of actually accomplishing something. I think we've lost that objective in our culture and our government and we're more interested now in throwing, uh, Uh, rhetorical bombs at each other while we're hidden in our bunkers. Nobody knows each other in Washington anymore. Hmm. Uh, There are no social events that bring people together. Uh, You've got, uh, you know, all these uh, iPhones. If you're sitting down with a member of another party for dinner or just a discussion, somebody
0: might take a picture of it and use it against you in the next campaign. It's just Hmm. crazy. I've never seen it this bad. Wow. So as a conservative writer in a mostly liberal media landscape, what are the challenges you face?
1: Well I've been very fortunate. I mean I did something uh, that I was told no other columnist had ever done when I was building the column. Uh, I went around the country and various speaking engagements and stopped in and saw the editorial page editors at uh, at the newspapers and most of them told me they'd never been visited by a columnist before. So I'd go go out and speak that night to a pro-life or a uh, Christian school group and I'd ask, how many people subscribe to your local paper? and Usually fewer than half and sometimes fewer than a third would uh, raise their hands. I said, well, all right, shout out some of the reasons you don't read the paper. And they would say, well, I never see any of my ideas fairly covered. Uh, they're always trashing my faith and my values, so I figured, why should I bother? So then I asked, well, how many would subscribe to the paper if my column was in it? And every hand went up. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, I want you tomorrow morning to call the publisher, not the editor. The publisher handles the purse strings. And you tell the publisher that you're gonna subscribe to the paper if they carry me. And so I didn't appeal to them on the basis of fairness and balance, I appealed to them on the basis of money, (laughs) and that got their attention real quickly, and uh, that's how
0: I built the column. That's amazing. Money speaks, right? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Always has. (laughs) So how do you come up with your column ideas? I don't know. It's a gift. I mean, there's plenty of
1: stuff to write about. I I mean, usually I have to decide what not to write about, because at any given time, there are three or four issues going through my head, whether they be political, cultural, moral, religious, or whatever, foreign policy, domestic policy, Uh, what's going on in Israel right now, Uh, what's going on in Russia. Uh, I've traveled to many of these places many times, and so I have interests uh, all over the world and a, a number of different subjects. I, I don't know; it's like uh, it's like an old song that says, "You push the first valve down, the music goes round and round, and it comes out here." I don't do much else. Uh, I can change light bulbs. But that's about it. I don't play golf. I don't have a lot of distractions. I just pretty much focus like laser light on my uh, writing and speaking, and uh, you know, it seems to have done pretty well in a career that's lasted a few decades
0: so what media sources do you depend on to get your news to, to stay what's current, what's happening I mean with you know fake news being the buzzword of the day what, what do you rely on that's dependable well, it's a lot easier
1: to read the major newspapers now because uh, they're all the same. They're all anti-Trump, anti-Republican, anti-conservative, pro-impeachment, uh, you know, uh, and, and and this is uh, what they do. New York Times, Washington Post, the uh, exception is uh, Wall Street Journal and the Washington Times, of course. I read them every day, but uh, in most days, uh, all the columns and all the stories are anti-Trump. And so it's very easy to skim over them because there really is nothing new under the sun. Uh, I already know what the truth is. I mean, my standard is, uh, is scripture. I know that the world has fallen, individuals are fallen, and they're not going to be improved by a political party. There's a wonderful little verse tucked away in the eighth chapter of Romans, which says God has built futility into his creation in hope that the creation will turn to him and so we've in my lifetime we've tried we've tried republicans and democrats liberals and conservatives mushy moderates and things uh, are just about the same not a whole lot has changed that's because none of these programs or policies deal with the human heart or with the individual there's a, a conceit that washington has all of the answers it has none of the answers uh the scriptures have the
0: answers but uh you know separation of church and state they can't talk about that Hmm. you know i just came past uh, through your 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 chapter on world views and uh I, i have to say i really like your approach there of how you know so many people who call themselves you know christians or followers of christ you know get on this political bandwagon and it's not really the answer right
1: no, it's not. And, uh, you know, we see this recycled virtually every uh, uh, election, every four years. And uh, this uh, alchemy between the two kingdoms uh, just never uh, manages to blend like oil and water. Um, it, it, it's it, Why should an unbeliever, an unredeemed person, pay any attention to what a person who has been transformed by the renewing of their minds has to say. Uh, it doesn't work the other way, does it? I mean, the the atheist, the pagan, doesn't convince the conservative Christian that abortion is okay, that same-sex marriage is okay, or any of the other policies in which he or she believes, so why would we think it would work in the other direction? Uh, when Jesus said, my kingdom of it is not of this world, when he stood before Pontius Pilate, the ultimate church-state moment, uh, he was saying something uh, really incredible and profound. Uh, Uh, Pilate said to him don't you realize I have the power of life and death over you and Jesus replied you wouldn't have that power unless my father gave it to you so that means that God is the authority for all authorities Uh, I was particularly offended by what somebody said I won't mention his name he's a friend and a good guy otherwise said uh, that for the uh, on election day in 2016 that uh, found Donald Trump winning the presidency he said God showed up that's Hmm. a quote well, who showed up when Obama was elected, or Clinton was elected,
0: or George Washington? I mean, come on, you can't just say that God is only paying attention when Republicans get elected. Mm-hmm. That's, that's idolatry. I mean, doesn't the Scripture say that, that, that God sets up kings and, and takes down kings? Absolutely. Absolutely
1: right. So, I think, you know, if, if we're going to really uh, uh, be interested in having an effect, or making a difference, as they say, uh, we do it at the bottom. One-on-one, we share the gospel of Christ with other people, and when they're transformed, uh, we'll have bubble-up morality, not trickle-down from Washington. Hmm.
0: So in the course of your life, what are some of the books, who are some of the people that have most influenced you? Well, there, the first one who got me
1: out of religion and introduced me to Jesus of Nazareth was a man now in heaven, Richard Halverson. He uh, he went on to become... Uh, uh, pastor, senior pastor at Fourth Presbyterian Church in Bethesda, Maryland, and then chaplain of the United States Senate. Um, the second one who taught me sound doctrine was a man named Ralph Neighbor when I was working in Houston, Texas for a local TV station. And the third one who taught me how to think and process my faith and what's going on in the world was Francis Schaeffer, uh, who was a close friend, and I read virtually all of his books. And uh, it is he that has and continues to have the greatest
0: influence on my writing and in my personal life. Well, I love Francis Safer's writings. I I haven't read his books recently, but I remember back when out in my college days, I, I devoured some of his stuff. His
1: ideas are as relevant today as when he put them down on paper
0: in his books. Absolutely. So I want to do one more thing, and uh, then we'll wrap it up. Uh, so I have a little segment in my podcast called the Fast Five Faves, this little personal thing. So it's kind of a lightning round and quick five favorite <laughs> things. So first of all, what's your favorite food?
1: My favorite food? Well, I, I, you know, I'm on a diet right now, so I can't <laughs> uh, have most of my favorite foods. If you count ice cream, that would be my favorite food, but I like, I like steak. <laughs>
0: And what is your favorite style of music? Well, I like the old 50s and 60s
1: uh, rock and roll. I grew up with it. Uh, I have it on Sirius now, my car radio, and I uh, can listen to it on Alexa.
0: So uh, I still like that. It brings back a lot of wonderful memories. Awesome. I just said Alexa, and she lit <laughs> up. Right. Hey, what's your favorite city? Uh, well, uh, my late wife and I had a place in uh, Port Stewart, Northern Ireland, for many years, and... Uh, we just love that so I guess I would say Port Stewart Northern Ireland and your favorite movie that's a real tough one
1: uh, I, I tend more to uh, Broadway musicals than I do movies though I've seen an awful lot of them mm-hmm. uh, I like meet me meet me in st. Louis Judy Garland and uh, a whole bunch of other people we just saw that again the other day
0: but it's hard to pick there's so many good ones out there and your last favorite what's your favorite place to go on vacation <laughs> I don't take vacations. Uh, you can't write off vacations. I take fact-finding trips. <laughs> nice. I like that. I'll have to, I'll have to write that one down. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Just let me say uh, finally that uh, you know I love what I do. People say, "When are you going to retire?" I say, "Well, when I pass away, I guess." I mean, <laughs> I, I
1: I love what I do. Most people, you know, are working to pay bills. I, I'm just uh, I love what I do, and and I just wish other people maybe some do, but. Uh, yeah. Wish other people had a job they loved as much as I like mine. I don't really see it as a job. I see it as a calling and a, a marvelous privilege. Uh, journalism is a great institution. It's not being practiced uh, as well as when I grew up in it. Uh, There's too much advocacy out there, but uh, it's still a great profession, and I'm, uh, I'm privileged to have been in it for so long.
0: Well, you have certainly been an, an influence in my life and an influence in you know thousands and millions of other people who have read your columns. And I really appreciate your work and your your unashamed, unabashed ideas that you put out there. So thank you. Thank
1: you, Conrad. I hope it's useful to others. And, uh, you know, send me a
0: link when you uh, get it edited. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you, Cal. Thank you so much. Right. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. God bless. Right, take care. So if you're interested in the latest book by Cal Thomas, What Works, Common Sense Solutions for a Stronger America, you can find it on Amazon, and I'll link to it in the podcast description. Hey, if you've enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. And please let me know what you think in the comments and ratings. I really appreciate it. It helps to hear feedback from you, the good, the bad, the ugly, so to speak. I'm always looking to improve what I do. And if you've enjoyed the music on today's show, it comes from my friend Drew Davidson. You can find all his music on iTunes or Spotify or on his website at drewdavidson.com. Last, if you have an idea for an interview you'd like to hear, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story podcast.